0: Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. And we are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. This is season two, episode seven. And today I'll be speaking with Father Michael O'Loughlin. You might remember him. We spoke to him uh, in season one. He's back again. And today we're going to talk about being a pilgrim. He and I are both leading a pilgrimage to Spain and Portugal later on this year at the late September, early October for the 100th anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. We'll talk a little bit about that, but really also why the church and why Christians should go on pilgrimage some way, somehow to deepen their faith and become more generous in their vocation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Father Michael Lachlan, you might just recognize him. He's also the host of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. He's one of the hosts, and that's one of the most popular podcasts out there. Pretty exciting stuff. He's a Byzantine Catholic priest, and on his Twitter handle, he says he's a Byzantine Catholic priest before a photo model. So as you can imagine, we have tons in common. I can't wait for you to listen to this new episode here, episode seven of the Do Something Beautiful podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. This is episode seven, season two here. And we are talking today to Father Michael O'Loughlin. Hey, Father Michael, good to have you back.
1: Good to be back. Thank you, Leah.
0: (laughs) All right, so today we are going to be chatting about pilgrimages.
1: Yes. The beauty of pilgrimage, is that what we're calling it?
0: The beauty, sure. Why not? We'll call it It
1: the beauty beauty of something, right?
0: (laughs) Right. The beauty of pilgrimage. I mean, like, so we talk about this. Let's just get right into it here. The church actually has a lot to say about being a pilgrim and going on pilgrimage. And we're talking about this also in light of the fact that you and I are putting on another one. We did one last year for the canonization of Mother Teresa.
1: It was epic. Yes.
0: It it was so good. Wasn't that good?
1: Yes. I still think of that almost daily.
0: Okay. What do you, I know, you know what I actually do too. Isn't that crazy? What was your favorite part? Favorite part of the whole thing?
1: I think my favorite part was actually sitting in the square hours before even the mass started. And I pulled out my Kindle and kind of gathered some of the pilgrims around me. And we just read from Mother Teresa's diary. And it was, you know, it was something that many people have read. It's affected so many people. But here we were waiting, waiting for her to be announced and canonized as saint and just listening to the words of this simple woman, her struggles, her ups and her downs. And it was just, it was a very intimate moment with the pilgrims, just sitting on the ground in the square, me reading from the diary, uh, spending a little bit of time in in prayer. And it was like, there was so much commotion going around, but for our little group sitting there reading, it was almost like this stark silence and an depth, an existential depth to what we were about to experience. You know, and and being able to listen to Mother Teresa's own words at that time, it was very memorable and beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was. It was such a great, great day. I remember being you were up front with the pilgrims, right, and I was in the way, 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 way back because I had to be in a place with a lot more shade because I had. My four month old, three or four month old baby girl Violet with me, so she came with me, and um, so I was in, it was in the back of the square basically, because by the time I was able to get there and get into some place with shade, just to protect her, because it was such a hot day in September that 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 year, I was in the back and I was around people who. I mean, I did not ask them, but it was very clear. Some of them, it was very obvious by what they were wearing and their type of religious garb. They were not Catholic. They were not Christian. And there were other people who I kind of wasn't sure if they had any faith at all by some of the questions. But when Pope Francis was declaring her at that moment in the Mass, declaring her and celebrating her life by declaring her a saint, I looked around and all of us, all of us were cheering and clapping. And there were so many like tears from people. And it was just really beautiful to look around from my perspective, way in the back. And Mother Teresa just touched everybody's lives, regardless of what faith, you know, what that someone practiced. And it was just really fantastic. And I don't know, it was just something beautiful to be in that place, in that space with people and with strangers. And us all coming together celebrating this one woman, the fact that she loved people because she loved Christ.
1: Yeah. I think that moment was, there was something, you know, eternal about that moment when she was declared a saint. I mean, I know that even, you know, the powers, the angels, the saints, everybody in heaven, kind of at that moment as it was happening in space and time here on earth, there was great celebration even in eternity in the heavens. And so everything in creation, as anybody's declared a saint, I'm sure that ripples through our existence because we're all in the image and likeness of God. You know, we're all tied together in that way. So even those who have no faith would have, in, in the depth of their of their being a child of God, in the depth of their humanity, would have felt something change, something beautiful, something become a reality that wasn't a reality before, especially someone since they are beloved not only by God, but by Mother Teresa. And so they, they would have felt that as well. So I'm, I'm glad you could perceive that. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was great. It really was. And just being on pilgrimage with so many strangers and after a few days, us all coming together and really being like this family. I mean, we just all of these and it just so happened. Everybody who came on that pilgrimage was a young woman. Everybody was. I mean, they were just these young women who were coming together and it was just kind of awesome for all of us to come together and just kind of had that cohesive bond that slowly formed actually probably quickly formed in some ways, because it was only about a week and a half we were gone, but it was great. And so we're doing another one because it just went so well. And you and I were talking while we were in Rome, and we're like, we just fell in our hearts. You know what? Let's do this again. Not just because we both love to travel, which it's true. We both do.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. But this isn't
0: some self-indulgent thing, but like, there's a beauty of how we can share our faith with others. And there's a beauty of like, working with a group and helping put together a trip that the sole point, the whole entire reason is how can we help people come to a deepening of faith? How can we help them experience something so that when they go home, they can be a better woman, a better man, a better person in their vocation of wherever God has called them? And so you and I kind of were talking about like how we should do this again. And one of the things we're thinking about is back then, last year, we were thinking, well, in 2017 is the 100 year anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. And we just kind of felt like, okay, we'll just follow Our Lady's lead, who really was one of the first, I mean, I guess, would you consider Our Lady the first pilgrim of the Christian faith?
1: Within Christianity? Yeah, I I think she kind of exemplified and revealed, if when you see throughout the Old Testament, every single person called by God was sent somewhere. Like, in other words, you need to move, you need to travel, you need to have an endpoint. you need to have a goal, and I'm going to send you there to move you, move your family, move the entire people of God in Moses' case. But look at Abraham, look at Moses, look at Adam, look at David. All these people were moved somewhere. They all had an end goal, and God was guiding them to that end goal. The mother of God, of course, who was the tabernacle, she was the temple, she was the dwelling place of God, just like the tent that moved throughout the Old Testament, the mother of God was one who was called to not only go on a physical pilgrimage to Egypt, then back to Nazareth, down to Jerusalem, et cetera, not only a physical pilgrimage, but the spiritual pilgrimage that accompanied that in going through the process with patience, perseverance, zeal, that pilgrimage taught her to understand why her son would be the savior of the world. So yeah, I would say that.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, granted, I, well, it wasn't like a quickly novel idea of mine. I think I'm sure I've read it in some of the church documents or something. Just so we're very clear, this isn't like a brand new revelation from Leah Darrow. But yeah, I mean, I, but she is it's this pilgrimage of faith, and so this year we're we're gonna go 2017. So let's talk about the details really quickly, just briefly, and then I want to ask you some questions about like why are we called as Christians pilgrims? Like the church has consistently made that a point to remind us of that. So I want to ask you about that one. And then I want to get your opinions on some of these fun things we're going to do here on this trip. So the pilgrimage to Portugal and Spain that we're going on, right, Father? Yep. All right. So it's September 29th through October 10th, and you can get all that information on my website, leodero.com. In fact, you can actually sign up on my website. So you can go to leahdaro.com, go to the pilgrimage tab, and then you'll see this. It's fantastically laid out. Thank you, Ryan Miller, for my wonderful website. And you can put your deposit in. And so the deposit is 500 bucks to reserve your spot. We only have so many seats that we can take. So yeah, you definitely want to get in there soon and put, get your get your spot reserved. And yeah, so on this trip that we're going on, we're going to go through. Let's see, it's like twelve days from start to finish of literally leaving the US to coming back to the US. And we're gonna be hitting up Fatima. We're gonna be talking we're gonna go visit the graves of the three children of Our Lady of Fatima, right, right, father? Yep. Pretty awesome.
1: That is day two. Oh no, day four, excuse me.
0: Yep. Yes. Day four, I think we're gonna be doing that. And we're gonna go and see them and there's a we're we're also gonna to go to it's going to be pretty neat. There is a place that we're going to go to where the angel, we're going to go to also the area where the angel visited the three kids and told them to pray. Wonderful. That's pretty great. Yes. Pretty. The angel of peace, I guess if that's, what, that's what that angel is called. So we're going to go there. And then this is one of my favorite parts of it. One of them, we are going to be able to walk a section of the Camino, mm. the Santiago de Compostela. So we're gonna walk about 13 miles. Now that's optional for people. We don't want to. We're not gonna force you to walk 13 miles. But this is something that I've heard. I mean, I've heard stories and stories of people who who've walked the Camino, and it's this. It's literally life changing for every single person. And my husband Ricky, that you know very well, father. Yes. He walked it after he got out of the army. He was in the big army, whatever. Now he's in the National Guard, but he was in the army. <laughs> and um when he got out and after a couple deployments, it just obviously took a toll on him. And so he had just, he was a convert to Catholicism. He had just converted recently prior to, to his deployments when he was still in the Q course for special forces. And he decided to walk this Camino though. And I mean... Ricky tells me he's like Leah I'm the man I am today partly because of the Camino. Mm, amen. Yeah, he says it just gave him this time to purposely be silent and quiet and walk and just be and he's like I was able to process so much and be able to kind of really allow God to talk to my heart and speak to my heart because I gave, you know, I gave him this time and he it took about a month or so to walk the entire thing. But mm. so we're just going to walk 13 miles of it. So I'm real I'm just super excited about that. We'll obviously end where we can go and visit the church there of St. James. And then we're going to go see one of my favorite ladies. We're going to be going to Avila, and we're going to see St. Teresa of Avila.
1: Amen. I love her. I do too. That's one of the things, you know, the Camino de Santiago is also is a pilgrimage within a pilgrimage. And that's going to be that that's day seven. So that's going to be a kind of a, a focusing on the heart of what pilgrimage is within the larger pilgrimage. One of the things I love about this, though, is you just mentioned St. Teresa of Avila. Everybody knows who she is. She impacted the church so immensely. St. Anthony of Padua, we're going to go to where his church. Everybody knows who he is. St. Jerome, who translated the Bible into Latin, everybody knows who he is. But we're also going to see, I see here on day six, the Shrine of Blessed Alexandrina of Balasar. I have no idea who that is. Do you know who that is? I have no idea. Okay, so this is the beauty of what I'm looking at here: <laughs> Saint Teresa of Avila, Saint Jerome, Saint Anthony of Padua, and the Saint James. I was the Camino, and then those are all well-known saints. We could always learn more about them, and we all want to pray at their shrine and have those those extra graces from their spot. But we're also going to see saints who I've never heard of that I'm going to be learning more about over the course of the pilgrimage. And I know it's going to be that. great.
0: It'll be good, and, and you know that. That's why we use a company like Select International to put together an amazing trip because they. They know so much about these types of locations that they they can find all the golden nuggets that you might and you probably would have missed if you were just going to do something on your own. Right. And so a company right. like this who's been doing this for umpteen years, I mean, they're going to make sure that we're going to hit everything that we need to really hit. So, yeah, so we're going to go and I can't wait. I can't. And so we're, we're going to wrap up close to spending some time with St. Teresa of Avaloso and we'll be there. We're actually going to be able to see where she's buried and they have on display there, we're going to see the her incorrupt heart and her left arm.
1: I, lo- I love the Catholic Church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, where's her right arm, Father? Where's the rest of her body?
1: For some reason, only her heart and left arm was incorrupt, wh- whatever that means.
0: Or maybe they Actually, just... I don't know. I am I I'm, I'm no like go
1: too. I don't know where the rest of it is. I'll find out, I guess.
0: We have so many questions. We have so many <laughs> questions here. But what's so great is that We'll be able to ask those questions, and get the answers because we have tours there on site who are going to be guiding us and giving us a ton of information more than you could ever read in books because they're there. They live there and they work with us. And so it's going to be a really good trip. And I love being able to put these together with you, Father, because you provide such awesome spiritual direction every single day. And I don't know if you knew that you were getting into that or not, but it was amazing, especially on our last trip when we were going to Rome but that's just kind of like naturally happens. Like you get to this place and that's why I love doing these. And and I just, I feel very strongly about this, about bringing a priest with me because I'm not a priest and that's not my vocation or calling and that's not how the Lord wanted it to be done. So I love being able to take you with me and to be able to provide that spiritual element that only you can do. And you are, you're going to provide mass every day for us.
1: Wonderful. Um, Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. And so we're going to have a, we're going to have a really, it's really going to be a beautiful time. And I love the fact that I was reading in one of the church documents and gosh, I mean, forgive me for, for forgetting where it is. I'll try to find it later. But I remember reading in one of the church documents, actually, of them saying that a pilgrimage is not just to go see some religious sites. That's not the point, the first point, at least of it. Obviously, that's what we're doing. that will be a part of it. But the idea of being a pilgrim is to ask the Lord For our needs to be filled, especially the need for a deeper faith and for us to live generously the call of our vocation. And so, these types of trips, when you have that in mind, it's not a vacation, you know, that's something different. This is something where, and trust me, it's going to be beautiful and you're not going to be totally roughing it or something like that. I mean, come on. We've got five, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. We've got wonderful hotels, we've got great places for us to have experiences with dinners and lunches and all of that. But the whole point really is for us to come to a place where we can share our faith with others and then deepen our faith, especially in this journey, as we are visiting people who have walked before us and who have led lives of greatness for Christ.
1: Yeah, that there's something about the fact that we're called a daily conversion. And I think that's what this is a way of living out. So we we kind of, in our ordinary life, we get stuck in a rut, if you will. If things become ordinary, we pick up good and bad habits. The pilgrimage is a kind of a microcosm, a revelation in a small way of the bigger reality of the pilgrimage towards salvation the pilgrimage towards heaven we always need to be moving forward we always need to be growing this isn't something that's that where we're you know asked by god to do alone it's something that god is already doing in our hearts he calls us to daily conversion daily movement towards him if we knew how beautiful god was and the intensity and immensity of the the intimacy he calls us to have with him we would want to be moving forward every day but of course the devil's in the details the devil's in our life and he's trying to get us to kind of be stuck in something And so I think just like the church has asked us to have various sacraments, kind of waypoints throughout our life moving forward, so that's what this pilgrimage can do, whether it's a pilgrimage you make in your own hometown to say, you know what, I'm going to walk to church today, and and I'm going to see Sunday Mass or Divine Liturgy as an endpoint for the day, you know, some sort of moving forward, dynamic, zealous, moving towards a very specific goal. And that's what a pilgrimage is. And when you actually leave the country for pilgrimage, and you're with people you don't know so well, and you're you're saying, hey, we have these daily goals, and then we have a goal for the whole pilgrimage. It's just a revelation of what's already happening in our hearts. God is already calling us to daily conversion, daily movement, daily goal-oriented movement towards Him. And these little smaller pilgrimages, like the one we're doing um, in September, October, is a kind of a rejuvenation a revelation in a small way of what we should be doing daily in our life anyway. But it helps us to better understand what God is doing in our hearts.
0: Okay, so so what does it mean? Like, why does the church always call us a pilgrim? And John Paul II was really big on that. He used that term a ton. But like, how can you explain that to us? Like, like what does it mean to be a pilgrim? in our faith every day, outside of this trip we're taking, which is great and fun. It's kind of more obvious maybe, or tangible to see here when you're literally leaving, you are leaving home, you're literally packing bags and you're going someplace that you can experience. Hopefully you're going to come to experience conversion and deepening of faith and renewal. But what does it mean to be a pilgrim at home?
1: Yeah. So I I think, and to give a disclaimer in the beginning, when you and I did the pilgrimage to Rome from Latresa's canonization, there was plenty of leisure time and there was plenty of wine at dinner. I mean, there, there was some good rest, you know. But I think one of the main points of pilgrimage is to be uncomfortable, in a sense, because this is not home. This earth is not our final home. Heaven is. We were not created to, be, to thrive and to be in full control and to fully rest and be fully content in this world. It is not our home. It's not what God has called us to. He's called us to something much better, much greater in in full union and intimacy with him. So a pilgrimage, whether it's the pilgrimage of this world of just saying, I'm moving through this world as a stranger in a strange land. I'm moving Mm -hmm. through this world and I don't want to completely rest and be content because God has something much bigger and better in store for me. So the pilgrimage of our Christian lives, the pilgrimage towards holiness, the pilgrimage towards Christ is a certain watchfulness, is the word that we, we Byzantine Catholics use. It's a watchfulness, kind of a, a discontent with the way things are, a desire for something greater, something more, complete fulfillment in our vocation. And that's what our life is. It's a moving through and moving towards a very specific goal and really not resting until that goal is met, until we until we die and we enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the end of our pilgrimage. And so mm. Christ is calling us to him. And until we're in full union with him, we should not rest. As St. Augustine says, you know, my heart is restless until it rests in you. The whole, All of life is a pilgrimage of restfulness, of movement, of being goal-oriented. And small pilgrimages like this— can help us to rediscover that zeal and even good anxiety and restlessness that we should have in our pilgrimage towards Christ as Christians.
0: Mm, I love that. That was good. Thank you. Good job,
1: Father. <laughs> thank you for okay. the pat on the back. I need that sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was good. I'm like I just yeah. It just sometimes just when you think about it, you're like yeah, that does make sense. But having someone just say it out loud is just like thank you. Like thanks for reminding me in a very obvious way. But now, I mean. It's not just, you know, like, these have been going on even in the Old Testament. I mean, it's not like this is something new, like only when Christ came. Right. uh, That people have been, like, journeying back to a place where where Christ or one of his followers lived or preached or was. But, I mean, even in the Old Testament, I mean, right? I mean, and it's exactly what God was doing with Abraham, correct?
1: He always asks them to move, go somewhere else, go to the land I've given you. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, so this is something where like God is with us and he wants us to be in that place of just discomfort once in a while. Like, just let me be with you. I just feel like that that's pretty common with God's MO there.
1: Yep, absolutely. And then there's, there's something, it's not an exhausting discomfort. I mean, it needs to involve suffering because suffering leading to sacrifice is what love is, the gift of self, the self-emptying, you know, that Christ did on the cross. Philippians said he emptied himself. You know, it needs to involve self-emptying and suffering that become sacrifice because this is love, and therefore it is joyful. In other words, this is pilgrimages of God, Christ himself, especially if you read the Gospel of Luke. Christ moved from Galilee up north. He went on a pilgrimage down to Jerusalem, and that was where he died. That's where everything was fulfilled, where he died, where he rose, et cetera, where Pentecost happened. So that there's this pilgrimage that Jesus even himself made from north to south, from you know the land up north to the, the Zion, Mount Zion, where God was and where the Temple Mount was, et cetera. So yeah, it, it, throughout the Old Testament, they were called to move, to change. Do not be content. Do not set down roots here because something greater is in store for you. And Christ himself did that, showing that The real roots that we set down, the real contentment is only in him as we rest in his death and as we rest in his resurrection. And that reality allows the, you know, if we're walking 13 miles of the Camino, that's going to involve some sort of physical strain. But it's a joyful physical strain because without that physical physical strain, we wouldn't make it to the Church of St. James. We, We wouldn't be there to the end of the pilgrimage and to be able to rest there and to be happy and joyful in where we've come. We can now rest where God has asked us to rest.
0: Yeah, amen. And one of the things that I happen to do through a suggestion from someone else, and that I'm definitely going to encourage people to do as well, especially when it comes to any type of pilgrimage that you take, if you do one longer than a few days, I would encourage you to do this. Ours is going to be 12 days long to Portugal and Spain. And what I did on our first one, when we went to Rome for Mother Teresa's canonization, each day I had a list of intentions. So everybody gave me all these intentions and I took them and I just divided them up over the days that I was there so that I would kind of have this moment. And of course, I was praying for all of them. But on each particular day, I really went through and I went through that list of of what people had asked me to pray for. And I looked at their requests and I read their words. And it was something really beautiful because you have those days, like like we were talking, you were just mentioning on, uh what is it? I think it's day seven or something, day seven or eight. Well, we are going to be day eight, where we're going to be actually walking about 11 to 13 miles of the Camino. That I mean, what a great time for us to be uncomfortable and then to offer up that suffering and unite it to Christ for those souls that have asked us to pray for them. And being on pilgrimage really allows you to experience your unity among all people when you're thinking about them and you're praying for them and you're praying for their relationships and your relationship with them. And hopefully that, of course, is going to come back to this circle of, our relationship with the lord yeah yeah
1: i think that's a good point i, I would encourage people if you don't mind leah uh to to even if you can't come you know if, if you are listeners of, of this podcast if you're listeners of my podcast catholic stuff you should know go ahead and go on our facebook pages and let us know your prayer intentions because of course i think that it's it's good for those who we minister to and i'm gonna do the same thing for my parishioners those who we minister to Um, We'll take you with us in a way, you know, and and make sure that we're praying for you so that those who are given to you and I by God to minister to empty ourselves for in in lifelong pilgrimages, not just about this pilgrimage, but about the way we love each other in general. So, yeah, let us know your prayer intentions and we'll we'll keep those in mind, especially as we go on this pilgrimage.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we will make sure that those are available on social media for you on our Facebook pages for you to take a look at. because. It is powerful. I know that when I, when I did that, I had just went on my Facebook page on for Leodero and asked people, you know, if they, hey, if you want me to pray for you, let me know. And yeah. people were very open on, they, they left comments after comments. And not like I said, I took all of them and I divided them out through my days, but I went through and I read everybody's prayer intention and I was in tears by the end of my, my morning prayers and I was going through it and I'm like, just looking at, for me, it united me. I looked at like the suffering and the concern and the worry in so many people all over. And it also gave me such peace and joy of saying, okay, Lord, I give them to you. I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. And I'm asking you to come into their life, especially in this time that I have spent with you alone. And it was just, it was very uniting. I just, I really enjoyed that. Even though those friends of mine on Facebook weren't with me, They were in my heart, and I was offering them to the Lord as they were themselves continuing to pray as well. So, yeah, you're right. It's really great. It's really great to be a part of this whole Christian family. Father, you had something about from John Paul II that you were going to
1: read. Yes, absolutely. Let me me pull it up. As I do that, I also want to mention... Um, one thing about though those prayer intentions, there is something about if we are on a pilgrimage to heaven, heaven is union with God. And that's what makes heaven paradise is union with God. And if we're all on pilgrimage towards union with God, obviously the end, kingdom of God, union with him is also union with each other. So that's what this prayer can also do. I mean, in your daily life, when you want pilgrimage, when you want zeal, when you want radical change one of the best ways to make sure you're taking that next baby step or next long step towards Christ on this pilgrimage of life is prayer for one another, because prayer is bonding, whether we know it or not. When we pray for somebody else, we, we are bonded to them within the one body of Christ. We're all members of the body of Christ. That'll be realized in heaven when we're literally in, in full exposure to what that body of Christ is. But in the meantime, Prayer is a very pilgrimage action because it is it is a, a thing of heaven. It is is a bonding. It is unifying. And so, as we pray for you, also please pray for us and pray for each other. Because again, prayer itself is a pilgrim activity, and pilgrimage is such an essential part of our lives. But that that'll Amen. lead right into thank you. it. That, no, that'll, that'll and, lead and right you're into right. Point.
0: And let me let me just. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you had said oh, something please. that would just really inspire me. I mean, about how like being a pilgrim is like this part of our life, and it's a prayer of our life, and it's true. I mean. John Paul II, I know you're going to read something from him right now, but in his encyclical, I think it's Redemptor's Hominess. I might be wrong. But, anyways, in one of those, he had said that I remember that the pilgrimage of faith is a story of souls. Mm. And that always struck me Redemptor's Mater, that's where it's from. But, anyways, but he is in the story of souls. And I just thought, wow, because it unifies all of us in our faith in the Lord through Christ. And so anyways, sorry to interrupt you, Father, but that just made me think of it whenever you were talking about the unity of prayer and the unity of being a pilgrim.
1: Amen. I like that. A pilgrim, and that's why we we humans love stories. <laughs> you know, we love good. That's why we watch TV. That's why we watch movies. That's why we read books. We love a good story. And that's because we want to have a good story ourselves. And that's what pilgrimage, in a sense, provides us. You know how many stories I have from our pilgrimage to Rome? I mean, I tell them all the time. And, and many of the other pilgrimages I've had there, there's something beautiful about having these stories that, that, that are able to say, I started here and I finished here and God was in the details and therefore he was moving me forward. So, all right.
0: We're ready um, for you. This,
1: yeah. So this is a quote, beautiful quote from John Paul II, St. John Paul II about pilgrimages. He says, the very dynamics of pilgrimages clearly reveals some steps that pilgrims take. They become a paradigm of the whole life of faith. Departure reveals the decision of pilgrims to go forward, up to the destination, and achieve the spiritual objectives of the baptismal vocation. Walking leads them to solidarity with their brothers and sisters and to the necessary preparation for the meeting with the Lord. The visit to the shrine invites them to listen to the word of God and a sacramental celebration. The return, in the end, reminds them of their mission in the world as witnesses of salvation and builders of peace. It is important that these steps in a pilgrimage live in groups or individually are marked by acts of worship, which would reveal their authentic dimension with the use of the texts recommended in liturgical books for this purpose.
0: Mm. I mean, he just, (laughs) it just lays out the clear foundation of not just how to go on a pilgrimage, but how how we're supposed to approach life, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, And I like how he touches on those four points, the departure, the walking, the visit to the shrine, and then the return, you know, even the going back to normal life is a part of that pilgrimage.
0: Absolutely. Because the pilgrim must be different and live differently through that simplicity of faith.
1: Yeah. And it is life-changing. I think we can, that's why it it was funny because the St. The Church of St. James at the end of the Camino is one of the three main Roman Catholic pilgrimages. So there's three of them. One, of course, is to Rome. One is to the Holy Land, Jerusalem, and this is the third one. I think it's the least known, but it is one of the three main pilgrimage sites. And I know people, I'm not encouraging this, but I know people get will get tattoos at the end of each one, you know, to kind of say, look, I've, <laughs> I've hit these main three or hit one of these main three. But I think that's what it is. These, these pilgrimages are life-changing enough where people are kind of tempted, well, how do I remember this life-changing event? The tattoo's kind of this permanent mark that makes sense to them. Again, not encouraging it, but but it makes sense that people would want to do something. I will remember this forever. And so I'm going to mark my body to remember it even more so forever. But but it, it is life-changing, and it kind of orients our daily pilgrimage to the experience of the unique pilgrimages, especially for Roman Catholics, those three, Rome, Jerusalem, and the Camino de Santiago.
0: Yeah, amen. And we are so I'm going to make make sure I get people to strap you down. And you're just going to get a tattoo, Father.
1: <laughs> as long as they're matching. Oh, I'm, I'm such a, <laughs> a sucker for matching tattoos. I, I, I don't do have it. any tattoos.
0: I will <laughs> do it if you do it.
1: Oh, my goodness. I, I I think that's a deal. We'll see. I hope my mom isn't listening.
0: <laughs> uh, I know. I hope my mom isn't listening either. I will do it if you do it.
1: All right. Deal. High five. Virtual high, high five.
0: five. Virtual high five. Okay. And we'll let people know later on this fall if we ended up getting matching
1: there <laughs> matching we go.
0: tattoos. The only way I would do a tattoo, I don't have any tattoos. The only way I would do a tattoo if I would ever get one is if I got one, a matching one with a priest. And so that would, I think, Uh make me feel so much better. I was like, well, listen, I got one because, you know, my best friend who's a priest got one, too. So we had to do it together.
1: Amen. I like it. I like it. Let's do it.
0: We should (laughs) do it. So come on to pilgrimage with us and get a tattoo because that's what we do here. The Leodero and Father Michael Lachlan, you know trips here. (laughs) We are going to Portugal and Spain, September 29th through October 10th. Do pray about it. Do consider coming with us. It is a beautiful time to come and experience our faith that we share together as Christians outside of church. You know, when we are, as John Paul II was just saying, the quote that Father Michael, where we literally depart and we leave our homelands and we go and we journey in simplicity to be reminded that we should live differently because we are Christians. And so you can get all the information for the pilgrimage on my website, leahdare.com. You can sign up there. Father, thanks so much for talking with me and talking about how to be a pilgrim and the beauty of these trips that really can enrich our faith.
1: Of course, Leah. Thank you. Love you.
0: I love you too. And thank you so much for listening to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Please remember, do us a great favor and give us those beautiful five stars and review to let us know how we're doing so that we can become more visible so that more people can be inspired to live differently because they are Christians and to do something beautiful in this world. Thank you so much. God love you and God bless.